If you open your Bibles in the book of 2 Kings, chapter 2, 2 Kings, chapter 2. If you have your Bible on the phone or iPad or paper, let's look at God's Word tonight and see what God says in His Word. It's all, in the way, all the way in the Old Testament. There's a book after 1 Kings. So 2 Kings is after 1 is after Kings. <laughs> Don't look at third kings. <laughs> there's, no third, there's no third kings, okay? <laughs> okay. But Second Kings chapter 2. Let's look at verse 1. Oh, uh, no, actually, I'm, I'm wrong. I'm in the wrong message. I'm sorry. This was last week's. Oh, okay. Hang in there. Okay. Okay. Is Second uh, Kings chapter two? There you go. I said chapter one is chapter two. It's just one page over. Okay. All right. So it says in cha- in verse one it says, and it came to pass when the Lord would take up Elijah into heaven by a whirlwind that Elijah went with Elijah from Gilgal, and Elijah said unto Elijah, Tarry here, I pray thee, for the Lord had sent me to Bethel. And Elijah, and Elijah, I'm sorry, said unto him, As the Lord liveth, and as thy soul liveth, I will not leave thee. So they went down to Bethel. And the sons of the prophets that were in Bethel came forth to Elijah and said unto him, Knowest thou, uh, thou that the Lord will take away the, thy master from thy head today? And he said, Yea, I know, I know it. Hold ye your, your peace. And Elijah said unto him, Elijah, tarry here, I pray thee, for the Lord hath sent me to Jericho. And he said, As the Lord liveth, and as thy soul liveth, I will not leave thee. So they came to Jericho. And the sons of the prophets that were in Jericho came to Elijah and said, Elijah, and said unto him, Knowest thou that the Lord uh, will take away thy master from thy head today? And he answered, Yea, I know it. Hold your peace, uh, ye your peace. And Elijah said unto him, Tarry, I pray thee, here, for the Lord hath sent me to Jordan. And, and he said, As the Lord liveth, and as thy soul liveth, I will not leave thee. And they too went on. And the fifth man of the sons of the prophets went and stood to view afar off, and they stood, and they too stood by Jordan. And Elijah took his mantle and wrapped it together and smote the waters, and they were divided hither and t- and thither, and uh, so that they, they, uh, they too went over on dry ground. Shall we pray, Heavenly Father? Thank you, Lord, for this passage of Scripture. Even might seem confusing to some people as we read, and we just say, Lord, what in the world I just read here? But I pray, Father, give, us, uh, give me the words to dissect this passage right here, Lord, tonight, so we can learn something from you, and also, Lord, that we could go home and take home something with us we can apply to our Christian life, we can make a difference in this world that we live in. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. So, it's a good passage of Scripture. We just started in the book of Second Kings. So tonight we come to this passage right here. I titled this message, Waiting for Departure. You ever been in, the, in a, uh, um, uh, an airport waiting for departure? <laughs> and uh, one hour, two hours, three hours... Uh, and uh, and in the next day you're still there waiting for departure. Come on, I think who been there? Who's been there? Okay, I, okay, I've been there myself. <laughs> One time when we were going to Portugal, uh, uh, we were waiting for departure and they canceled the flight. So we were there for what three hours, four hours. They gave us a voucher so we could go have supper, and we did good with that voucher. We had we had three vouchers that day. One for Joseph, for my wife, one for myself. So it was good. But uh, we didn't want to go home. We were in Boston. We didn't want to go home and go back. So might as well just stay here. Uh, but I've been there. Last time we flew from Pensacola to home, there was a line all the way almost outside. Never seen that in a lot of airports. Like, we're in the... So we were going this way, waiting for departure, right? We're in this way. And the line was coming this way. So we're like, this doesn't make any sense. So we went all the way down. Then turn around way back there, all the way up. So we're greeting each other, people, and the way, in the way up. One actually, one person said, $100 for you. 
<laughs> you give me a spot. I said, well, you give me 500, you might get mine. I was just kidding. <laughs> but anyway, waiting for departure. So, the life of Elijah has been like a whirlwind of activity. You see this in, in 1 Kings 17. A guy just shows up on the scene, and he's just very active for the Lord, does all kinds of stuff for the Lord, and we, we went through that. So from the time he stepped uh, out of nowhere, so to speak, to, co to confront the king of Israel, which was Ahab at the time, uh, of his adventures of faith at the dry brook and in the widow's house, the great victory of Mount Carmel, uh, to do his fall into restoration from the feet. And, and uh, we see when he got depressed and God went help him, and he put himself alone, and the Lord took care of him. So Elijah's life was been a... A, a, so to speak, a, a fast-paced life, the way he lived it, to say the least. So now, that, uh, that life is about to come to a stop. What's going to happen here? Elijah is going to depart. He's about to depart. Interesting thing here is, Elijah, don't confuse the two, and all the, the sons of the prophets, they all know that he's leaving. <laughs> they all know. The thing is, when he's going to leave. So we're going to make a comparison here about us as well. Okay? Us. We are about to depart this world too. It can happen any moment. The thing is, what are we doing in the, mean, in the meantime, okay? Are we just sitting around doing nothing because the Lord's going to come anytime? So, uh, so let's put it like this. As Elijah, as Elijah lived out the last days and hours of his life, it is interesting to see how he conducted himself. He did not live like a man who knows his time is short. He actually lived like a man who thinks he had plenty of time. It is, it, it is time just before, I'm sorry, it is this time before Elijah uh, is taken to the heaven that, that I want to focus tonight on this thing. So I believe that Elijah right here sets a great example for those of us who are waiting that time when we too will leave this world. You say, well, how can we leave this world? Well, the Lord Jesus can come at any moment. Any moment He can come. So what we do in the meantime? What we do? Do we sit around and just, he's going to come today. So let's sit around because he's going to come tomorrow. So what we do, we're going to see the example of this man right here. He knows he's about to depart. The sons of the prophets know he's about to depart. Elijah knows he's about to depart. But you know what? The guy doesn't stay still. He doesn't say, let me sit right here. It's going to happen anywhere. No, we're going to see what this man's doing here. So one of those, uh, let me go back here a little bit. So. I believe that Elijah, like I said, sets a great example for us as Christians of how we are to live our Christian life in, 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 in waiting for the, our Savior to come. So if we are to be honest tonight, every saved person here, every Christian person uh, uh, is ready to depart. And the more we see our world going, we say, Lord, is that today? Lord, is that tomorrow? So come, Lord Jesus. You know, how many of you, let's be honest tonight, okay? Just put your hand up as, a, as just to say, it's not a vote, okay? We just say, every day I look for the Lord Jesus to come. You know, you see, everybody. You know what? Because it's the truth. This world is getting so bad, so wicked, so evil, and you come to a point and you say, I just don't fit anymore. I just want to go. Lord, so come, Lord Jesus. You know, he might not come in this generation. He might, but he's coming. So, but what we do in the process, as we're waiting for our Savior to come get His church, what we do, okay? So let's look at this from several points. Number one, okay? Let's look, compare Elijah with the, what I'm seeing here. It was a time for watching. Look at verse 1. It says, And it came to pass when the Lord would take up Elijah unto heaven by a whirlwind that Elijah went with Elijah to Gilgal. Interesting. This is about a time for him to depart, and he doesn't stay still, sit in the chair and say, oh, well, two hours, five minutes, three, 33 seconds, he, the Lord's going to take me, I'm just going to sit here. You know what he went? To Gilgal with the other, with Elijah, which is his uh, uh, student here. Just, so just imagine going to heaven without experiencing that. Just imagine one minute walking on this planet Earth, and poof, gone. I tell you, brother, Rosada, I hope that's, uh, that's our generation. That I don't want to die. I, I, you know, okay. This is me, you know, my testimony. I don't want to die. I just, 
I don't like roller coasters. I don't. Don't take me to Six Flags and places like that. I just don't like it. But I wouldn't mind experience that. Poof. I wouldn't mind experience. You know, I was like, so come Lord Jesus today. I'll be fine. Okay? <laughs> that would be great. But, you know, I don't try to be selfish because the Lord knows best. Right? But that would be my desire. Just poof. There we are. Right in the clouds with the Lord in the air. Wow. And go to that wonderful marriage supper of the Lamb. What a day. Alright? So, we see right here. So, but they, they well, it's coming a generation which is not going to experience that. So they, like Elijah, will not experience that. They will be transformed. They will be transformed in the twinkle of an eye. Maybe we are that generation. Are we? Some preachers believe so. Some preachers believe so. Listen, folks, if you look at our world through the Bible, you're going to say, what in the world is going on with this world? No shame. No love for God. Look at our social media. Look at, the, look at the, 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 the wickedness and evil that is putting on social media. Everything that your mind can think is there. That's how bad it is. It's terrible. And some things, if you report it, that is inappropriate and not good, they don't care. I'm not against social media, don't get me wrong, and I'm not against electronics and telephones. I got one, but I'm telling you, with the things that in, in, are in there, and we carry those things around all the time. So, we see a time for watching, letter A, a time for a precious event. Letter A, according to this verse, Elijah knew the precious truth that he was going to get to heaven without passing through that this was a privilege that only been enjoyed by one person in history. Go to Genesis chapter 5, verse 21 to 24, and keep your finger on 1 Kings. Go to Genesis chapter 5. There was another man that experienced no debt and went to heaven. And we want to see that in Genesis chapter 5. Let's read that there in Genesis chapter 5. And look what it says. And Enoch lived six and five uh, years and begat Methuselah. And Enoch walked with God after he begot Methuselah 300 years. You say, Pastor, there's no way in the world somebody can live 300 years. Might as well 600 years. Is that possible? <laughs> Is that possible? You know, let's put the, let's put the Bible in, in a practical way, okay? Is that possible or not? With God, all things are possible. Mankind would say, that's impossible. God says, with me, everything is possible. Okay? So we see this guy right here. Um, the, let's say, verse 22 says, And Enoch walked with God after he begot Methuselah 300 years, and begot sons and daughters. And all the days of Enoch were 365 years. 365 years. Okay? And Enoch walked with God, and he was not, for God took him. Poof! There goes Enoch. This verse tell, tells the, the story of a man named Enoch. He was a man who lived uh, uh, and, and walked with the Lord. Think about what a testimony that this man leaves here in the Bible. He walked with God. Alright? Can we personally say that I'm walking with God? What it means to walk with God? You know, that is an interesting concept. A person walking with God. This man was a godly man who lived according to the word of God. And people say today, there's no way you can live according to the word of God. Try it. See if you can or not. Listen, the world was wicked back then as it is wicked today. This world was wicked people in those days as his people is today. You see, the heart of man, the Bible says, is desperately wicked. People have the potential to do things that we don't, can't even imagine. But I tell you what. But even in this crooked and perverse generation, we can walk with God. Start with your Bible. Read your Bible every day. Apply what God says to your, to your own life. Filter your friends through the Bible and say, this fits, this doesn't fit. You say, well, but I'm going to have no friends. It's better no friends than bad friends. Isn't that true? It's better no friends than bad friends. At least I walk in peace with God. I, you know, somebody, you know, I have all this mayhem in here and this mayhem in here and this commotion over here. I'm like, good night, see you. I'm walking this way by myself. You see? 
So by the way, let me put it this way. So where was I? I lost my place. So <laughs> by the way, there's something that could happen to you and me, you know, just poof, out of this world. So the Bible teaches us there, there will be a future event known as the rapture of the church at the time the Lord Jesus Christ will return in the clouds above this earth and will call his people home to heaven. Go to First Thessalonians chapter uh, 4, verse 13. Brother Rosario, you didn't know I was going to do that tonight, right? <laughs> oh, goodness. <laughs> so look at, look at verse 13. But as I would not have you to be ignorant, brethren, concerning uh, them which are asleep, that ye sorrow not, even as others which have no hope. Who have no hope? All right. Class, who has no hope in this world? Those who don't know God. Those who reject Him. Those who, when you talk to them about the Lord, they say, I'm all sad. I'm okay. I don't need God. I can take care of myself. Those are the ones that the Bible calls them ignorant. And so look what it says in verse 4, 14. I'm sorry, no, verse 15 actually. For this we say unto you, by the word of the Lord, that, which, uh, that we which are alive and remain unto the coming of the Lord shall not prevent them which are asleep. For the Lord himself shall descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of the archangel, and with the trump of God, and the dead in Christ shall rise first. Those who died as believers, their bodies will be risen from the dead. Oh, interesting thing. Then we which, look what it says, verse 17. Then we which are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air, and so shall we ever be with the Lord. Look what it says in verse 18, I think is the, Greatest verse right here. Wherefore. What a good verse. Good word. Comfort one another with these words. You know what? I'll tell you what. Prophecy about future events, it's wonderful because it comforts the hearts. You follow that? Jesus is coming again is a truth. It is prophesied. He will come again and it gives us comfort. Because we don't worship a dead God. We worship a living God. And he's coming again to grab his children or to grab his church. Who's going to let be left behind? Unbelievers. They're going to be left. Listen, folks. Here's one thing that I thought not long ago. I said, the world is going to have what the world always wanted. A world without God. That's why it's going to be so chaotic in here. What the world always wants. We don't want Christians. We don't want churches. We don't want God. We, we find without you. You know what's going to happen? going to be a world without God. Wow. So this is a precious event that could happen to us in any moment. Actually, the Bible says that this future event will happen so fast like in a twinkle of an eye. Go to 1 Corinthians 15, 51. Let's go look at 1 Corinthians. I do pray, uh, preach on prophecy tonight. <laughs> what it says. Behold, I show you a mystery. We shall not all sleep. We shall all be changed in a moment, moment in a twinkling of an eye, of an eye in the last trumpet, for the trumpet shall sound, and the dead shall be, shall be raised, raised incorruptible, and we shall be changed. Wow. The Bible says that this huge event will happen so fast, like in a twinkle of an eye, and when he does, we will go to heaven without having to die to get there. That excites me. I think I just repeat the prayer. I mean, I'm sorry, go back. That excites me. About to think about that. We have Enoch, we have Elijah, now we have the church. Come at the same thing. If you are saved, you too should be anticipating this event. Because is listen, it is a event that brings hope to our hearts. Jesus is coming again. And people say, Ah, you believe this stuff. Mm-hmm. I believe this stuff. Are you kidding me? No, I'm not kidding you. I really believe it. Jesus is coming again. It was a lot of naysayers when he came the first time. He came. You know what? He's coming again. Let it be. A time of a promise event. As one reads these verses, I quickly become back to our text. Uh, apparent that everyone knew that, was that, that the Lord was coming to get Elijah. The sons of the prophets knew. Elijah, uh, Elijah knew as well. So this wasn't a, this wasn't a secret event, folks. The same thing. The sons of the, of the prophets knew that Elijah was going to depart. Elijah knew that he was going to depart. Talking about the rapture of the church is not a secret event. It's well, 
wrote in the Bible. It's not a secret that, like, well, nobody knows what's going to happen. We know as Christians that Jesus is coming, not a secret. Okay? It's not a secret. Actually, let, let me actually share to you what Jesus said about this. In John chapter 14, verse 3, says, And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you into myself, the way I am, that ye may be also. Is that, a, is that a promise or what? So the New Testament authors predicted it repeatedly. Paul, John, Peter all wrote about it. It is something that is well documented on the pages of the Bible. You know what? It is sad when a Christian doesn't know that this Savior is coming again. It's written right in the Bible. Here's the thing. Let me put it this way. Let me grab a Bible right here. Okay? You ready? This is an encyclopedia. You know what an encyclopedia is? All right. It is 66 books in here. In this little thing. 66 books. 39 in the Old. 27 in the New Testament. We carry an encyclopedia with us. And in this book says that Jesus is coming again. Do you read it? Do you study? It's right here. In the old King James Bible. Right here. Alright? It says right here. I don't know why some people don't believe that Jesus is coming. What is very clear what it says. Okay? Okay, so. Let's go point number three. A time for a private event. We see this all in verse 1. Even though all these people knew that it, was, that it was coming, no one knew when it would happen. Elijah knew that God was coming for him, but he did not know just when. Therefore, he lived his last days and hours in anticipation of that coming event. The same is true concerning the return of the Lord Jesus Christ. We, folks, we don't know when Jesus is coming. It could be 20 years from now. It could be 100 years from now. It could be tomorrow. It could be tonight. We don't know. What we do until that day. Let's eat, drink, be merry, and party as much as we can because... Uh, no. What do we do? We continue serving our great Savior. Uh, folks, let me put it this way. There's a lot of people that really think that church is boring. Ah, the preachers just want money. The church is boring. There's a lot of hypocrites in the church. You know what? There's more hypocrites outside the church than in the church. But anyway, <laughs> people, more people asking for your money outside the church than in the church. Okay? If you look at it. There's all kinds of You know what? All excuses. I'll tell you what. If you were here Saturday, you would think church is not boring at all. Boring at all. It's actually very, it's a very exciting thing to do, okay? So, a, t a time for a private event or in here. You know, look what it says in Matthew 24, 36. It says, but of what that day and hour no man know, nor the angels of heaven, but my Father only. If only everybody read this verse, instead of putting dates when Jesus is coming, right there. Therefore, we must be certain that we are, we are ready for His coming at, uh, at all times. If you are not ready, why don't you get ready now and say, look for his coming every day. Matthew 24, 44 says, therefore ye also, uh, I'm sorry, be ye also ready for such an hour and uh, as ye think, not the Son of Man cometh. So the question remains, are you ready for the coming of Jesus? Are you ready? Number two, let's go up point number two. It was a time for walking. So Elijah continues walking with a purpose, with purpose for the Lord as he waited for the day of his departure. And so should we. As we wait for the coming of Jesus, we are to continue to walk in obedience to whom? To Him. We continue walking, serving the Lord until the day that He comes to a, for His church. So what we do, we continue walking, serving the Lord. In many ways we can serve the Lord, but let it a, a time to be walking with purpose. Purpose. Do you walk with purpose? Look what it says in verse 1 and 2. And it came to pass when the Lord would take up Elijah into heaven by a whirlwind that Elijah went with Elijah to Gilgal. And Elijah said unto Elijah, I mean Elijah said unto Elijah, Tarry here, I pray thee, for the Lord had sent me to Bethel. See, he's about to depart. He's going from Gilgal to Bethel now. And Elijah said unto him, As the Lord liveth, and as thy soul liveth, I will not leave thee. So they went down to Bethel. 
And we go, keep going all the way to verse 6, and it keeps t- t- telling us all the places that they went. In the meantime, he was about to depart, but guess what Elijah does until that moment happens? He keep, he keep on moving. You know, folks, here in America, I've been in church for a long time, uh, and the one thing that I noticed, some Christians, they come to a point, they say, I retired, I, 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 I'm just going to retire. You know what, there's no, there's no retirement in Christianity. Don't you know that? He said, what do you mean? Well, the Lord takes you out of this one and it puts you in another place and it puts you in another place. And whatever place He puts you, you know what we do? We keep walking. We keep serving the Lord. So as Elijah disappeared his departure from the world, he continued to live as he did always. He continued to walk in a humble obedience to the Lord. Notice this statement, the Lord had sent me Verse four, verse two, verse four, and verse six. If Elijah, uh, Elijah, had been like many in our day, he would he would have spent his last days uh, on earth in retirement for service <laughs> from service. He would have spent his time doing all the things he hasn't done to uh, 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 before he departed. Some people do this. Some people even say this: I have to travel to all these cities, do all these things before I die. What about serve the Lord with all your heart, mind, and soul? Before we die. Listen. Do you really want to go to every part of the world? Hey, God's creation is a wonderful thing. You don't want to think I don't like big cities. <laughs> big cities. You know what's in there? Sardines in a can. Everybody's in there like, Ugh. We, went, we went to Hoboken, New Jersey one time. I was like, I never see so much humanity together. It's like a wave of humanity coming one way. And we, if we don't hold ourselves, we're going to go right with the current. Go on the other way. It's like, wow, I never see so many people. You know, you want to give tracks, you go like this. You go like that. It's, and they take it and kept walking like you don't exist. <laughs> oh, goodness. So, but some people think they need to spend, do this, do this, do this, do that, do that. And there's some sites out there that even encourage you to do that. All these things. I think for the Christian should be, what about if I live for the Lord for the rest of my days and serve Him with all my heart? And whenever He takes me, then I go. If He doesn't take me, I stay. You know, we go all over the place and, and, and after a little while, everybody's homesick. I can't wait to get home to lay in my own bed with my, in my own pillow. Isn't that what we do? I mean, we have those fun. After a while, it's not fun anymore. I just want to go home. <laughs> oh. oh, so the lesson for us is this. There will never come a day when we can quit serving the Lord. We are to serve the Lord until He takes us home. Even though we know we are living uh, and that our living could be, uh, we leaving and our leaving can be today, we should still seek to live lives that are filled with surrender to the call of the Lord. Let me give you an example. Several years ago, there was a group of people in Texas who became convinced that Jesus was going to return on a given date. And as a result, they sold all their possessions, quit their jobs, and went to the top of a mountain and sat there and wait for the rapture. You tell me where you find that in the Bible. But anyway, I guess they found it somewhere. This is not what God wants you me to, to do. Brother Rosario, is there any dates in the Bible about the, the Lord coming? No, it's not there. But somehow, you know, these guys come out with these dates. So what the Lord wants us to do, He wants us to be busy in His work until He returns to take uh, us home to glory. This was the problem of a church, the Thessalonica church. Go, go to Thessalon, first Thess- 2 Thessalonians chapter 3, and look at verse 11. This is a problem of, oh, that's, a new, that's not new, this is actually old. And people believe, you know, they put these dates and Jesus is going to come on this date. You know what? Nobody knows. He will come someday. Let's just serve the Lord until He comes. Look what it says in verse 11. For we hear there are some which walk among you disorderly, working not, uh, working not and at all, and are busybodies. Now then there are such, I'm sorry, now them, uh, them that are, uh, there are such, we commend and exhort by our Lord Jesus Christ, that with quietness, quietness they work and eat their own bread. But ye, brethren, be not weary in well-doing. So this, these people are looking for Jesus to return at any moment, so they just quit doing everything, anything. 
That is not God's plan, folks. If we want to take a biblical example, let us look at the book of Nehemiah. You know what the book of Nehemiah says? Nehemiah, you know, you're being threatened as he was building the walls of Jerusalem. And he says, you know what? We have the weapon in one hand and we work with the other hand. You know, that's what we should do as Christians. You know what? We defend against the wickedness of this world with one hand, with the shield of faith. And the other hand, we work for the Lord. You say, I can't do that. Yes, you can. Nehemiah did. All the other ones did. We can do it too. We shouldn't be so preoccupied with the things of this world. Let's serve the Lord. We need to serve Him. You don't know, actually, there's more joy when you serve, we serve Jesus. There's more joy when we serve Jesus. Let it be a time to be walking with progress. In verse 7 of our text. And, and 50 men of the sons of the prophets went and stood to view afar off. And they stood by Jordan. So as the Lord led Elijah from, the, from place to place, God was bringing the prophet to the place on which he intended to remove him from this world. For, for Elijah, this place he visited allowed him to, the opportunity to visit the schools of the prophets. He was promised to speak to the young men who were training there to serve the Lord. He was allowed to probably be an encouragement to them before his departure. These places also give, uh, give Elijah the opportunity to, to maybe even talk about the blessings of the Lord in his life, what the Lord have done to him. We don't know. But let me tell you, the Lord gave him time to go from place to place to place to place before he took him home. So let's take a moment and look at each of these places, visit and note the significance of each of these places. Number one, we see he walked to Gilgal, in verse 1. Gilgal was the first place camped, uh, Israel camped when they crossed the Jordan and entered the promised land. So Gilgal was a place of new beginnings. Interesting. You know what? When you receive Jesus as your personal Savior, what does that mean? It's a new beginning. It's a new life. Isn't it? You were a sinner condemned to hell. Now you are a saved sinner in your way, in your way to heaven. Amen. It's a new beginning for all of us. Those who receive Jesus as Savior, it's a new beginning. You are a new baby. You start a new life in Christ. All things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. You're a new creation in Christ Jesus. Number two, he walked to Bethel. Where's Bethel? Bethel was a holy place for the people of Israel. It was at Bethel that the patriarch Jacob had met the Lord God. Genesis chapter 28, verse 11, 22. So Bethel signified the place of the altar and of total dependence upon the Lord. Bethel was the place of revelation. Bethel was the place where God became known and where He became a big, in the eye, a big in the eyes of those who worship Him. I tell you what, when we worship the Lord, we got to worship the Lord as a big God. He's not a little God, He's a big God. Because when you come to Him with things that you cannot do, with things that are out of your, out of your control, you come to Him and you get on your knees or whatever you do, you pray and you pray into a, a big God, that's what He is. Not a little God, he's big. Number three, he walked to Jericho. Verse four, and, verse 4 and verse 5. For the people of Israel, Jericho represents the power of God to give victory. What happened in Jericho? The walls fell down. Who did it? Don't tell me it was a trumpet. I mean, you're going around playing the trumpets for a few days, you know, and blow the trumpets, the wall's going to come down. I don't think so. If you know the thickness of that wall, it's ain't going to happen. You know what? It was all God doing it. You know what? It's a place of victory. That was when they, when they crossed the, the Jordan River and went to the Promised Land. That was that battle. You know what? The battle was the Lord's and the Lord won the battle. You know what? How many battles you and I have every day of our lives? Who wins those battles? Believe me, when you give it to the Lord, He wins those battles for us. Sometimes, you know what it is? We put God aside, and we want to fight the battles ourselves. And the Lord says, what are you doing? I'm fighting the battle. Why don't you let me fight for you? I'm fighting the battle. Give it to God. Give it to God. Number four, you walk to Jordan, verse 6 to verse 8. For Israel, the river Jordan marked the end of their wilderness wanderings. It was a picture of that. That is, it was a place where the pilgrims died. When they crossed the Jordan, they were no longer pilgrims. They were uh, people who arrived home. Jordan was the place where the pilgrimage died. They were home. The promised land. The land that God promised them. 
For Elijah was the perfect place to reflect all the ways he had died to self during these years as a man of God. You know, I mean, same thing for us. You know what? There's a place we're going to arrive someday. You know where that place is? Heaven. Our heavenly home. You know what? We sojourn to this world, do all kinds of things, but one day, home. Listen, I, I don't say to a Christian, hey, so-and-so died. You know what I, what I say? So-and-so graduated to heaven. Because that's what it is. You know, we don't die by mistake. We don't die in God gets panics in his throne and say, oh no, oh, so-and-so died. No, God knows. He's appointed unto men once what? To die. We have our day. It's not a day of defeat, folks. It's a day of victory. The grave is defeated. We go into heaven. Come on. People are afraid of dying. We go into heaven. Don't be afraid of dying. It's victory. Okay? All right, let's go to, uh, let us see. A time to be walking with people. As Elijah traveled this last miles here on earth, he did not attempt to travel them alone. Verse 2 and verse 4 and verse 6 lead us want to believe that Elijah wanted Elijah to stay behind. Uh, however, these statements were merely tasked for Elijah. Verse 6, verse 8, verse 9, and verse 11 tells the real story. These verses speak of a friendship and fellowship. So as Elijah completed stacks upon earth, uh, uh, stacks upon earth, he did not withdraw himself from those who would who encourage him. Who was with him? Elijah was with him. The sons of the prophets were there to talk to him. You know, folks, here's one thing we can take out of it. You know what? The Christian life was not to live, be lived in isolation. The Christian life was to live in fellowship with other believers. Why? Because by doing that, we encourage one another. I need you to encourage me. I need you, I, you need my encouragement. Listen, we're not, we're not created to live in the desert like a tree. You, may, you ever see a tree in the desert? It's always like skinny, dying, because there's no nourishment. Always the truth, right? Oh, God didn't create us for us to live in the desert, or in the desert of isolation. God wants us to, to be together. You know what? Elijah right here was not alone. When he went, Elijah went behind him. When, when he, places he went, the sons of the prophets were right there. See, there are too many lone rangers, lone ranger Christians in our day. Far too many believers act as though they, uh, there's no, uh, no one else important in their lives. However, the truth of the matter is we need one another. We need good, godly fellowship and friendship. We need the presence and the, the present and the ministry of the other saints of God around us. Even the Lord longed to that kind of ministry on his own life. Notice when uh, him, as he goes to the garden to pray, he takes three special people with him. He didn't want to be alone. That's what our third point that we're almost done. It was a time for working. It was a time for work. See, we did this from verse 2 to verse 11. I have already touched uh, on this thought, but, but this man, Elijah, did not spend his last day sitting on the bench of nothing. He was busy in the work of the Lord until the moment God called him home. And that he sets an example that we would all do, do the same thing. There's no retirement for the Christian. For the Christian. There's, there's always something for the Christian to do. Notice what, what he's doing as he waits for the whirlwind to come. Look what it says. Number one, or letter A, he was trusting his Redeemer. Look at verse 8. And Elijah took his mantle and wrapped it together and smote the waters, and they were divided hither and thither, so that they too went over on dry ground. So even at the end of his life, Elijah is still walking by faith. And folks, let me put it this way, and that's what you and I are to do. We are to walk by faith, not by sight, every single day. You know what walk by faith is? There's a place, I don't know what city is that. There's a place, uh, I don't know what country is that. There's a bridge made out of, the base of the bridge, a pretty high bridge, made out of glass. And as you walk, you can see the bottom. All right? And I see this video in which people don't even dare. They're like, they're scared. Because it's just, you can see the whole bottom. It's so high up. And I don't know where it is. I saw in the video, and it's like the pe people are 
holding to the walls. And, well, the Christian walk is a walk of faith. You don't walk with fear. You walk mm, by faith in the Lord. Because if you if you fear fearful, it's like those that people in that bridge. You're not going to move. Faith causes us to move. Faith causes us to stand. Faith causes us to speak. Faith causes us to live godly. That's a walk of faith. And you know what? Elijah continued to serve the Lord by faith until he went home. What about us? Until Jesus comes, what should we do? Continue to walk by faith. Continue reading your Bible. Continue serving the Lord. Continue attending your local church. Continue giving you tithes and offerings. Continue trusting the Lord in everything. And you know what? He will bless you more than you think. Let me put it this way. I'm not talking about money, but I'm just going to touch a little subject here. Is tithing by faith? The Lord said, give you tithes and offerings. Oh, I, I don't have any. Where's your faith? Your little faith or big faith? Big faith gives and says, Lord, I wait for the results. Little faith says, Lord, I need this. You see, we give to God who belongs to God. If we don't give to God who belongs to God, we're stealing from Him. Because the tithe belongs to Him anyway. Not ours to keep. Okay, but I'm not talking about tithe tonight. I'm talking about it was a time for working. So, He trusts His Redeemer. Let it be. He was, a train, he was training his replacement. Look at verse 9. And it came to pass when they were gone over that Elijah said to Elijah, Ask what shall I do for thee before I be taken away from thee? And Elijah said, I pray thee, let a double portion of thy spirit be upon me. And he said, Thou hast asked a hard thing. Nevertheless, if thou see me when I am taken from thee, it shall be so unto thee. But if not... So Elijah doesn't clap, doesn't clap Elijah on the shoulders and walk off on the sunset. He knows this man is to take his place someday. He knows that Elijah needs and deserves the best training that he can be given. So the future depends here on, the, on Elijah doing his duty today. You know what is our duty is for us to do as Christians? You know what our duty is as Christians? To teach the next generation to follow the Lord. That's our duty. Because one day we will depart, we leave the baton to somebody else. To take that baton and teach somebody else. We have, folks, we have a tremendous responsibility to teach the next generation. I'm talking about the next generation is the new Christians that come in. They need to learn, they need to be disciples and learn the ways of the Lord so they can make a difference in their world. He was training his replacement. He was going to heaven. But guess what? Somebody was going to take over his work. And it was Elijah. It was, no, it was no jealousy here. It was no, well, I'm not going to tell you anything. He was teaching as much as he could. So friends, as we near, uh, we near the end of our own road, there's another generation, like I said, coming along behind us. What we are teaching them about faith, obedience to God, uh, uh, faithfulness to the Lord, to the Lord's house and work, love the Bible. We need to do those things. How are we doing it? Listen, if what we do is just criticizing the preacher, the message, God's word, the next generation is listening, you know, you know what they're going to do? They're going to do even worse. Folks, if we love the Lord, we tell others about the great faith that we have and the great God that we serve. Because they need to hear. We teach those who come along. What kind of legacy, listen to this, what kind of legacy are we leaving behind as we travel towards our crossing time when we go to the other side? What kind of legacy are we going to leave behind us? We are here tonight because some people were faithful to hand down their faith to us, isn't it? You know why I'm here tonight? Because it was an a, a old saint of the Lord that opened this Bible and led me to the Lord. He took his time. He obeyed what God says, go ye therefore. And he opened and shared with me and I accepted. We live in a world today, we say, or in a society today, oh, nobody hears anymore, nobody cares. Ah, oh, you know, no, people don't even open their doors. Our job is not to save anyone. Our job is to go and tell 
others about Jesus. Because you know what? We tell them about a reality. Jesus is real, not some fantasy story out there. You know, it is, is real. He's, he's our creator. He's the almighty God. We have to take him serious. You know, we're so consumed with worldly things. We think we're going to live here, stay here forever. We're not. Just give it a time and before you know everything that you accumulate is for somebody else. That's the reality of life. So what kind of legacy are we leaving behind? Is that a wicked legacy? Is that a godly legacy? When people would talk about, about us when we leave this world, what are they going to say? You know, I have many Christian friends, uh, ladies and young people and all the people that left this world. I tell you what, what legacies they left. When I think of them, whoa, that was a godly man. Oh, that was a godly lady. That was a godly young man. That's people that love the Lord. And you remember them with a smile. The world would never recognize those people. You know what? But we do. We're going to see them again. So what kind of legacy are we leaving behind? Look what it says in 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 2. All the things that I has heard of me among many witnesses, the same commit thou to faithful men, who shall be able to teach others also. So our duty to those who follow us is to give them that what they need to get the job done for Jesus. So men, it is our job to teach those young men and young boys and young ladies and, and young Christians that God can do great things through them. They must be taught what, is, what, what the real man is to be. They need to be taught what a, a real woman is to be, a godly woman is to be. They need to be taught those things because we live in a, such a wicked society. They need a good godly example and, and you are called to be just that. Don't you know that? Our next generation, our next Christian needs to see a good godly example. It must come from me and you. Wow. In a workplace, in a workplace, we have to be a light in the midst of darkness. Because you might be the only Christian there. Oh, but these people are so wicked. Okay. What about you? Are you showing them that you are a Christian? Oh, they made mockery of me. So yeah, they will. They spit in Jesus' face. What do you expect? See, live by faith, stand by faith, talk by faith, live, do all those things by faith. You know what? We stand no matter where we go. We stand and live for the Lord. See, let us see. He was, it was, uh, he was traveling his road. Look at verse 11. And it came to pass as they still went on and talked. And behold, there appeared a chariot of fire and horses of fire and departed them both asunder. And Elijah went up by a whirlwind into heaven. You see, Elijah continued serving the Lord, talking with Elijah. And until the moment that God took him to heaven. Like man kept doing. He kept working until, bye-bye. <laughs> he kept doing. You know what? What an example for us. As long as, as we live, we keep on doing it for the Lord. I hope you have joy serving Jesus. I hope you do. Oh, no. i got to get up and go to church. Oh, do I have to read my Bible again? Oh. No, we do it with joy and gratitude of heart. Is that just me? Oh, all of us. we got to do it with gratitude of heart. Open your Bible. Lord, teach me something today. Not just like... Okay, one chapter, two chapters, five chapters, good, done. That's not how we read our Bible. We eat the words. We apply it to our hearts. You know, then we go out rejoicing, and sometimes we apply it so hard that we memorize the verse. And God says, I told you, now go live it. That's what God wants us to do. God says, you know, I give it to you this morning, go live it now. Isn't that what our moms and dads used to do when we were kids? They would preach to you at the door. My mom used to do that. Don't do this, don't do that. I mean, it was so in your mind that all day you could hear your mother's voice going, don't do this. You know, because it gets it. The same thing when we read God's word. God says, eat it, chew it, go live it. So it was a traveling road right here. You know, Elijah kept working, kept serving the Lord 
until he was no more. I conclude with this. I don't want to preach to the choir here tonight, but to every Christian who is watching online or sitting here tonight, the battle is continuing to rage against the Lord, against His house, against His people. Our job is not to say, someone else can do it. I haven't done enough. Our job is to continue to do it, continue serving the Lord until He takes us home. You say, well, but I can't do this anymore. The Lord will give you something else to do, and something else to do, and something else to do. See, Pastor, how long are you going to preach? As long as He allows me to preach. And when I can't preach anymore, I'll sit down and do something else. You know, I'm not going to quit on God and say, I'm done. No, I did my part. No. We just continue. Listen, in my, in my Christian journey, my Christian journey, this is what I did, okay? I, I, I teach the, the little, little kids. It was not me. <laughs> I just can't teach the little kids. That's, some people have that gift. But uh, I did teach the reimbunctions, 11, 12, 13-year-old boys. That was, a, that was an experience, okay? Teach those kids. I teach the adults. I work in the bus ministry. It was a bus ministry. We used to go around town picking up kids for church. That was a, a blessing. I would take you a whole Sunday. Well, I singed in the choir. I did special music. I served as a deacon. I served as a treasure in the church. I did all kinds of things. You know what? God put me in those things. I didn't quit. Oh, I'm still serving the Lord. And I will serve Him for the rest of my days. That's what I will do. I hope you have that in your mind too. Elijah served the Lord until the Lord took him home. So shall, shall we. Serve the Lord until the Lord takes us home. If it's now one phase of life, then it's another phase of life. But that's what God wants us to do, is to be obedient, faithful, obedient to Him, serving Him until He comes or He takes us home. In this case, God took Elijah home. We don't know what's going to happen. Maybe Jesus will come tomorrow, tonight. Oh, right here. Who knows? But you know what? We just have to be committed. So, Lord, I look for you coming every day. But until then, I will serve you every day. Shall we pray? Heavenly Father, thank you, Lord, so much for your goodness, for your love.